Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Recalibrating Survival. Available and recently approved immunotherapy-based combination approaches in unresectable hepatocellular carcinoma. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an educational grant from AstraZeneca. So hello everyone, I'm Stephen Chen, the professor of the Department of Clinical Oncology at the Chinese University of Hong Kong. In this program, I'm going to talk about recalibrating survival, available and recently approved immunotherapy-based combination approaches in unresectable XCC. In this session, I'm going to discuss the rationale for immunotherapy-based regimen for the first-line treatment of unresectable XCC. At present, the ISMO guideline has approved aptisolizumab and bevacizumab as the standard treatment for BCLC stage C patients. And those patients who are BCLC who are not suitable for local therapies can also be considered systemic therapies. The NCCN guidelines has also been updated to include tramilibumab plus tervalumab as another option for the first-line treatment for unresectable XCC. So we expect the international guidelines will gradually also adopt these uh, regimens, described as tramidimumab plus tervalumab as the first-line treatment options. Regarding the rationale for IO-BGF combinational therapies, anti-angiogenic agents could remodel the tumor microenvironment, which will lead to the infiltration of the immune cells in the tumor microenvironment, could also reduce immunosuppression in the environment. When this anti-VGF antibody therapy is combined with the immune checkpoint inhibitors, it could synergistically enhance the effect of the immune checkpoint inhibitors by reducing immune exhaustion. So as a result, this is believed to create a synergistic effect against the XCC. Regarding the rationale for the dual immunotherapy approach, at present, we can combine anti-CTRA4 inhibitors, such as epidemumab or tramidumumab, with the MTPD1 inhibitors or anti-PDL1 inhibitors. By application of the CTRA4 antibody, this could stimulate naive cells in the lymph node environment by inhibiting the CTRA4 interaction between the antigen-presenting cells. As a result, there will be outbursts of the T cells to travel from the lymph node to the tumor environment we can work synergistically with the anti-PD-1 or pd one antibody. Also, there will be a suppression of the T-regulatory function and induced antibody-dependent cellular cytotoxicity. So in the next section, we'll discuss the efficacy data associated with immunotherapy-based regimen for the first-line treatment of unresectable XCC. So in this session, I will discuss the efficacy data associated with the first-line immunotherapy-based regimen for the treatment of unresectable XCC. In the Himalaya clinical trial, the phase 3 randomized control trial to compare the tramidimumab plus dervalumab versus dervalumab versus sorafenib. The strat regimen of tramidimumab plus dervalumab is associated with better overall survival than the sorafenib with the hazard ratio of 0.78. Dervalumab has also shown non-inferiority in terms of immediate overall survival as compared to the sorafenib with a hazard ratio of 0.86. This year, there's been a report on the four-year updated analysis on the overall survival for the Himalaya clinical trials. As you can see, there have been persistent separation between the two curves. 
which is suggested that those patients who benefited from the SRAT regimen tend to have a durable benefit as compared to the sorafenib, even at the 48 months of time. The IMBRAVE 150 study is the clinical trial showing improvement of the overall survival favoring the combination regimen of artisolizumab and bevacizumab as compared to sorafenib with a hazard ratio of 0.66. There have been also improvement of the median progression-free survival favoring the artisolizumab and bevacizumab versus sorafenib with a hazard ratio of the 0.65. It's quite difficult to do any cost trial comparison. For those patients that we believe will have a high chance of disease progression within short period of time, maybe artisolizumab is better because they can delay the progression and also is associated with theoretically higher response rate. But for the strat regimen, it's associated by the long-term response or durability of survival among those patients who respond to the therapy. So for those patients more in the immediate disease burden and that or younger patients that we want to survive longer, maybe this is the regimen that is more suitable for them. More real-world data will be important to help us make the decision between these two regimens. So in the next session, we'll discuss the safety associated with immunotherapy-based regimen for the first-line treatment of unresectable XCC. In this session, let's discuss the safety data associated with immunotherapy-based regimen for the first-line treatment of unresectable XCC. The spectrum of side effects related to immunotherapy is known as the immune-related adverse events, RAE. Theoretically, any organ in the body could be influenced by this RAE. The immune side effect also affects the liver, which is more common during the treatment of XCC. We need to inform our patient about these potential side effects and also remain vigilant during the treatment course and start steroid treatment or immunosuppressive treatment early if there's a confirmed diagnosis of these type of toxicities. Regarding the adverse events associated with anti-VGF therapy, the main side effects are related to the bleeding risk, uh, which involve the upper GI bleeding of the varices or varicel origin. The bleeding could be in the form of a hemorrhage or minor bleeding, and this may be a particular concern in patients with already background cirrhosis or portal hypertension. Overall, the strat regimen is associated with higher treatment-related AE than the Devalumab, and when you look at the side effects leading to death, actually is quite comparable between the three arms. Around 20.1% patients treated with strat regimen required high-dose steroids for the treatment of immune-mediated AE. According to the IMBRAVE 150 study, treatment-related grade 3 or 4 AE occurs in around 43% of patients treated with artisolizumab plus bevacizumab, which is quite similar to the figure of 46% treated with sorafenib. Around 22% of patients require withdrawal from any one component of the artisolizumab or bevacizumab. But only 10% of patients have developed AE leading to withdrawal from both components. Regarding steroid use in the artisolizumab and bevacizumab arm, it was around 12% in the IMBRAVE 150 study. So you can see artisolizumab and bevacizumab generally associated with more vascular complications than the immunotherapy-related complications. So in the next section, we'll discuss the strategies for individualizing the first-line care of patients with unresectable XCC. So in this session, let's discuss the strategies for individualizing the first-line care of patients with unresectable XCC.
Regarding the treatment goals, when we are individualizing first-line systemic therapy for unresectable CC, there are a few considerations. One goal is to control the pain, which is quite commonly encountered in patients with a liver tumor. We also aim to preserve or even improve hepatic function during the course of treatment, which is known to be associated with better survival. Also, we would like to extend patient survival by controlling or even decreasing the burden of the tumor. Last but not least, we also like to improve the quality of life of the patients. And all these components are important, especially when the patient has more advanced disease. When we try to make a decision on the first-line therapy for the unresectable HCC, there are multiple considerations. For example, if the patient has pre-existing or active autoimmune disorders, they're generally not suitable for any immunotherapy treatment because of worry about the flare-up of the autoimmune diseases. If the patients on any current use of immunosuppressive agents, they are generally also not suitable because of worry about the diminished efficacy of IO therapy when the patient is taking immunosuppressive agents. And if the patient has history of allogeneic stem cell transplant or solid organ transplantation, IO therapy is also contraindicated because there's a worry about the rejection of the graft. There are also additional consideration for anti-VGF therapy because of its association with bleeding. For those patients with untreated or incompletely treated esophageal or gastric paralysis with bleeding or high risk for bleeding or any history of vascular comorbidities, generally anti-VGF therapy is contraindicated. We now have two first-line options, either strike regimen or artisolizumab and bevacizumab. There may also be additional factors when we make decisions between these two regimens. If the patient is having more vascular comorbidities, maybe it's uh, better to start with the strike regimen because of his lack of uh, vascular complications. On the other hand, if the patient has more disease burden, that points to a uh, high risk of the short-term progression. Artisolizumab plus bevacizumab may be a more suitable regimen because of its high response rate and better progression-free survival. So in the next section, we'll discuss strategies to optimize the first-line care of patients with unresectable XCC. So in this session, let's discuss the strategies to optimize the first-line care of patients with unresectable XCC. Regarding treatment with the anti-VGF antibodies, especially bevacizumab, the most worrisome side effects still bleeding events. As required by the clinical trial and also in my clinical practice, it's mandatory to arrange an endoscopy to look for any viruses or any bleeding ulcers in the stomach or in the esophagus. And if the patient has this type of problem, they should be treated adequately before we start the artesolizumab and bevacizumab. And also we should screen for any vascular comorbidities such as uh, hypertension, history of ischemic heart disease or proteinuria before we start anti-VGF treatment. Because immunohepatitis is particularly common in patients with XCC, this is how to manage patients when they have an elevation of uh, ALT or AST or bilirubin. In general, if the patient only has grade 1 elevation of ALT, we can just monitor the liver enzymes every 1 to 2 weeks and we can continue the ICI therapy. If the patient develops the grade 2 ALT or AST elevation, then we should monitor the patient much more closely and also check INR or check for the hepatitis B or other hepatitis screening. And we may also engage the pathologist to check for antibodies which may underlying the autoimmune hepatitis. 
About the management of the bleeding events related to individual antibodies, if the patient evaporates free or above, such as there's a requirement of transfusion, requirement of hospitalization, or any intervention with an invasive interventional method, or even life-threatening consequences, then we need to discontinue the bevacizumab permanently. We are now having two options of immunotherapy combinations for our patients, namely the stride regimen or the atezolizumab and bevacizumab. Although there's a lack of head-to-head comparison, the comorbidity of patients may help us to decide which treatment to choose. Both of these treatments is associated with a different spectrum of side effects. The key point is that we should keep high vigilance about the occurrence, potential occurrence, and also we should educate our patient to report early or come back early if they have any alarming symptoms related to the side effects. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.